Welcome to the On The Edge Podcast with your host, Scott Groves. Hey guys, it's Scott Groves on the Edge Podcast here with my friend Vanessa. Uh, and really, I just wanted to talk to a mom. I wanted to talk to a badass <laughs> mom who's crushing it in business and with her kids and happily married and doing the California thing, trying to stay sane as everybody's locked down and we're wearing masks and we're trying to navigate all of that. So I invited Vanessa on because I was joking right before the show that, you know, I don't really talk to my wife about anything important. <laughs> so I got to invite on another woman to see what it's like to be raising kids in COVID. So Vanessa, welcome. After I flaked four times, here I am. Oh, that's okay. You <laughs> You're Hispanic. I'm used to it. Like, true, I have a Hispanic true. wife. Thing, plans change frequently. Every day. Three o'clock. I don't know if this was your experience growing up as a first generation, but as I'm getting to know my wife's side of the family more, um, we went to a wedding up in Oakland where uh, the wedding was at like three o'clock. We showed up and there was like 30 people there. And the wedding still started like an hour late. And I was like, okay, well, that's weird, but whatever, small family, okay. Then we showed up for the reception. It was at a VFW hall. There was 450 people. And it's like yeah. in in my community, the redneck white trash community, <laughs> it's like, if you're showing up to the reception, you have to go to the wedding. It's right? like, it's no. like required, but it's no. It's funny, I just went to one last month, I think it was, and half my family, because this was on my Mexican side, my dad's side, Half my family didn't show up to the actual wedding part, like the the getting married part, right? They right, showed up the church part. Because don't worry, my family like made appointments to get their hair done and makeup done and, you know, all these things. So half of them didn't show up and to, just to the reception. That's amazing. And so, it's totally accepted. Like yeah. in my family, that would be like the talk of the town and gossip for five years and there would be hurt feelings. <laughs> oh, and, no. Oh, cares. you know, cousin Lenny or cousin Molly didn't show up to the wedding. Like people would talk shit for years. Here's the sad part is my cousin even put like the time on the, the invitation an hour late because she thought, OK, maybe if I put an hour ahead or whatever, they might show up. No. No, no still no. like three hours late. Yeah, it's like amazing culturally, like Americans, Germans, and maybe Brits were on time, and culturally, everybody else is like, whatever, it'll be fine. I know, we'll but when you're out. married to a white man, it's like he, like you know, they're like you have to be on time. I'm like, okay, this is really difficult for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I think people forget in California that like it's so common for Caucasians to marry Hispanics that um, people don't picture that as an interracial marriage in California. Weird. Like most people I know are Hispanic that are married to Caucasians and people don't think twice about it. Um, but it is kind of a culture clash. Have you guys experienced that? We did in the beginning. Well, how long have you been married? First of all, uh, this year is going to be 14 years, 14 years. Holy mm -hmm. shit. Two kids, so 14 years. We've been together for about 20. No, 21 ish. Right around. Holy there. shit. You don't look that old, but okay. Well, I'm um, be 40 this year. 40. Damn. Yeah. Good job, bro. Locked her down September, early. September. Well, I'm older than him by six months. You like to say that. Um, so, yeah. So, this this year's my 40th. I'm doing a big deal. Nice. Yeah. You're going to jump out of a plane or something like that? No, I'm doing a big party in Nashville, actually. Big party in Nashville. Well, like a bunch of my friends are coming. Nice. I like it. Yeah. I like it. So, tell us about the last year. You work in the mortgage industry like yes. we do, and it's, it's kind of weird. We were even talking about it with uh, Chris. Shout out to Chris on the audio and the camera and all that fun stuff. Hey, Chris. Um, <laughs> we, we were talking about how it's kind of weird to talk publicly about the fact that our industry has really been thriving in the last year. Interest rates have been low. A lot of people have been able to refinance. Like, you and I have both done more business than we've ever done in our career before. Right. But that's kind of weird when you, when it, you know, with that and the juxtaposition of, people really suffering and some people dying and a lot of people losing their job. Um, definitely. And then you have kids that you have to take care of. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely March of last year or 2020 was a little rough having all that happen. 
Um, and you're right. Like our business was insane. It was very, very busy. And then having friends that were struggling work-wise was a little hard because it's like, I'm like, well, I'm busier than ever. I'm making more money than ever. You know, that was a little hard to kind of have some certain conversations, you know? Um, but once school shut down, that was a different ball game. Um, honestly, like I said earlier, my kids would have gotten zero education if it wasn't for my husband. Like his job was super flexible, thank God. Um, but as you know, we're on our phone 90% of the day. Yeah. So trying to have help my son get on this certain Zoom link. Mind you, he's in kindergarten. He doesn't want to be on Zoom. He doesn't want to sit still, you know? So he wants to be in school, touching, feeling, learning at school. So that was really hard. I found myself so my husband was doing the third grade for my daughter mostly. And I was kind of trying to help with my son when we were home for, you know, those first couple of months. Um, but I found myself getting like angry every day because I'm like, I was just frustrated. Cause I'm like, here I am trying to work on my phone, on my laptop and still trying to help him and trying to make him sit still. It was just, it was a shit show to be honest. It's brutal. It was bad. Yeah. I, I, I can kind of look back at it as a funny haha moment, but I remember we took the kids out for sushi, like outdoor restaurant right before everything shut down. And, um, Gabriel picked up my phone cause I had it sitting on my table. He picked up my phone and started walking around and pretending he was on the phone. And I was like, buddy, come back here. We have to, we have to eat. And he's like, wait a minute, dad, I'm on a meeting call. <laughs> and I was like, Ooh, a, that's funny, but B that's clearly he, how he, he perceives what, me. Yeah. And I'm just like, you know, it's kind of one of those moments where you giggle, but as a father, you die a little bit inside. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, so this is the thing that my son's going to be spending therapy money on because dad, dad was always on the phone or whatnot, but you're right. I mean, it's just our business. You get calls yeah. from realtors, from clients, like deals have to come together and whatnot. So, yeah. um, shout out to your husband, by the way, for doing all the educational Amazing. stuff. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. And, um, how did you guys, how did you guys figure that balance out? Or you said his work was just a little bit more accommodating. Like, cause I have zero patience so if i had to sit there on zoom with a kindergartner and a third grader i i, I would ha i would I, I hate to sound obnoxious about this but i would have to hire somebody because i i would yeah. not physically be able to do that we thought about that and they did have a tutor that would help um and actually a couple people were actually hiring someone and then like a bunch of kids would go to this person's house and like all the she would they would teach all the kids we tried that for a minute but that didn't really work out because a lot of the work wasn't getting done um but it's it's definitely it, it it taught us a lot as parents. Like I realized I'm like, I'm not a patient person at all, but he isn't really either, <laughs> but you know, he just had more time. He doesn't have to be on the phone as much for work. Right. So he just had the time to be like, okay, this assignment's due. Okay. Go on for math from 1210 to 110. You know what I mean? Like he would keep that schedule. Whereas I was just kind of like all over the place. I've been trying to work and yelling at my son at the same time to, pay attention to his teacher, which wasn't working. So they, they've been back in school, thank God, since December of 2020. So okay. there was, I would say from like end of March to December, it was just a free for all. It was bad. Yeah. I keep making the jokes that my kids are like basically Lord of the flies in the backyard. <laughs> like I'm going to, I'm going to walk out and my son's going to be wearing my dog's head or something as like, yeah. a, as like a cape. And it's just, it's just not going to be good. Cause, um, yeah, we, we kind of had the same dilemma. It's like we didn't really want the kids to go to school in masks um, because we just didn't think that that was appropriate for their development. Although I know a lot of people have had to make that decision or agree with that decision. That's fine to each their right. own. Um, I would disagree and we can argue about that later if you care. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so then we went to like a Montessori situation and then and then grandma, um, she basically said, 
you know, because she's Hispanic. She said, I'd much rather die than not see my grandkids every day. So she kind of made the decision that she's going to be in the bubble. Uh, and then thank God we found this jujitsu gym where a bunch of the fathers got together and was like, hey, we kind of all value health more than we are scared of this disease. So the fathers will work out together. The kids will work out together. And if That's somebody nice. gets sick, just let everybody know right away. Yeah. And if it wasn't for those two things, like my mother-in-law and this jujitsu every day for myself and for the kids, I think I would have lost it, man. Like yeah. I would have been going on a lot of walks around the block or, or punching holes in the wall or something. Cause even when things are going well, it's been stressful. Yeah, no, it's crazy. I have a friend, she's an engineer and her husband, he works for like the water company, but they were both working from home. They have no help at all. So their kids were home for like six, seven months. And while they're trying to still maintain their jobs, they were trying to help them. Like I, I'm like, God, we're so blessed. Cause I have my parents who help us three days a week and his mom who helps us two days. Amazing. So without that, I don't know what we would do. We tr we didn't really want them to get involved in the school part of it just because they're older. They don't know how to get on Zoom. They don't know how to. My mom's like, what the what the hell is Zoom? You know, right. my mom has no idea. So, you know, that we didn't get them involved in that portion of it. But after school was done, you know, on Zoom, let's say they would go to their house. And then at that point, work would resume for both of us. So like after like 12 or one. Awesome. Yeah. Do, you, do you know any single parents out there? Because I can't even imagine I don't, being a single parent. But that would be, I don't know how they would do it. I don't. Yeah. Like I, that is sad. <laughs> yeah. I, I, know? I know that there's still 7 million people that haven't re-entered the workforce. And I'm just thinking like, well, of course they haven't. Because if you're a single parent and you have a child and they can't go back to LAUSD yet, then guess what? You can't go back to the job. What are you going to do? Lock your four, five, six, seven-year-old in a cage and just be like, all right, peace. I got to go back and work at Walmart or whatever. What's even sadder to me is like the kids that rely on the school for like meals and stuff. That made me really sad during this whole thing too. Because I mean, I, that, I think that there's a lot of kids that feel safe at school and they no longer had that. That yeah. was really... Like you'd see those stories on the internet and stuff like, oh, so-and-so, you know, domestic violence and things like that, or got beat by their mom, you know, stuff like that. That was kind of sad to see for sure. Yeah. That happened a lot. I, I think you and I align fairly closely politically. Anybody that's watched five minutes of this episode <laughs> of this, of this show before knows that I'm a pretty hardcore libertarian. And like the, the fact that they shut down the schools and they put so many parents in a bad spot, because like I said, you know, you're blessed. I'm blessed. We had a great year financially have family close, but I just, you know, I, I just, I feel for anybody that didn't have a family close sure. during this time. And I think what we're going to end up seeing is in a year, five years, 10 years, we're going to see a group of kids that don't do as well, yeah. you know, as, as the, the parents that could afford the tutors or had family support, whether you were wealthy or you just had, you know, you're poor and you had family support. It's a big difference. And of course that will be all the wrong people's fault, except for the right. people that actually shut down the schools. No, so true. I'm just, I'm waiting for that. I, I, I should be going to happen. I, I should be saving a bunch of people's <laughs> Facebook posts from the last year and be like, no, no, this was you. This, no, no, this, right? this was you. And this was you also. Remember when. And remember when, and this was you also. Yeah. Funny. Yeah. No, definitely. So you said you're first generation here, right? I am. And what's your ethnicity, cultural background? So my dad. I don't even know how to quantify it now. Is it race? <laughs> is it country of origin? I don't know what the politically correct thing to say is. I mean, am I allowed to be called a Hispanic anymore? No, you're, you're Hispanic X or Latinx. Right. Like, yeah. Oh yeah, Latinx. Latinx. Like, when I saw that, I was like, what the heck? Everybody I know who's Latin is like, no, I am a Latina or I'm a Latino, depending on your male or Can female. I, the term Latina just bothers me. I'm like, I'm just Hispanic, okay? Mexican, Nicaraguan. That's what I am. Mexican, Nicaraguan. Yeah. So my dad is from Guadalajara, Mexico. My mom is from 
Uh, Bluefields, Nicaragua. Bluefields, Nicaragua. Yeah. Doesn't sound like a Spanish name. I know, right? So, but it is a place that's like on the water, I believe. So she came here when she was, my mom came here when she was 17. She had already graduated high school over there. My mom was super smart. And she came here and she had to do, I think, senior year one more time. They wouldn't let her like in college or something. I, I forget. But, and then my dad came here when he was 18. And then they met at a Halloween party at UCLA of all places. Um, my dad was doing like some sort of like extra program there. Um, and yeah, I mean, they came here in their late teens and I'm first generation. I, I didn't speak English until I was in kindergarten, actually end of kindergarten. So really? yeah. So I was like ESL basically. So I went into kindergarten um in the i don't even know if it was there was an esl program back then but it was definitely like english second language and my teacher told my dad um she's not picking up on the english at all so from that day i remember it was like the second to last day of kindergarten when she told him that my dad was like no more spanish so i didn't speak spanish again until i was a sophomore in high school oh that's weird i know because my parents were like if you notice i don't have like i you know, you have like accent. a val- you have like a valley girl accent, not like, right? not like, like a Hispanic and it, accent, but, right? But and it's so funny because there's some people that are like fourth generation and they sound like not. I don't even know the right word for it, but it's not good. Okay, right. So um, my dad made sure like I'm not gonna ha- let them have an accent. Um, we're not gonna speak Spanish anymore. So from five to about God sixteen ish, we did not speak Spanish in our home. That's so funny because Karina had almost the same experience where uh, she was born here, but first generation. Her mom actually thought she was going to go back to Mexico for the first several years of Karina's life because, you know, things were, were tough here and she was a single mom. Um, and for those that haven't heard before, Karina's my wife. Uh, and and what was weird is because she got into the ESL um, curriculum where they weren't even doing like immersion English in school, she only spoke Spanish to like fourth or fifth grade. Oh, wow. So Karina didn't start speaking uh, English full time until she was like 11. Wow. And once in a while, it will come out with like one of those, uh, I, and I can't even pronounce the word, quioculisms. <laughs> I cannot say that word for the life of me. That Wait, so thing, does she speak Spanish now? Yeah, well, yeah, her Spanish is I perfect. I would never even know like, yeah. by the way she talks. Yeah, you know Gabriel's I mean? Spanish, our kids' Spanish is perfect. Um, but it was so funny because once in a while, Karina will be like, you know, it's raining like, dogs and ferrets or whatever that thing that you white people say because like those, those little sayings just don't roll off her tongue because yeah. she didn't grow up saying those things so it's really funny because you can't tell until you're like deep in a conversation yeah. where she's trying to tell a story or a joke and then it all goes to shit and then i'm like oh yes english is clearly your second i have language. a lot of random little things like that too where i'm like what 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 saying is that again you know and then my mom still has like a, an accent for sure like growing up she'd be like you guys want to go to yamba use like instead yes. of Jamba Juice or like, you know, stuff like that. I'm like, no, mom, it's Jamba Juice. Like, yeah, we all knew what you were talking about, though. It's yeah, fine. like we knew. There, but. There is a weird cultural thing, though, because I know like my parents' generation. So my parents went to call or to high school in the uh, 70s. And I was so I was born in 79 and I was right out of high school. Sometimes I think they had me in high school and they just lied to me about the year they graduated. Um, but all of their Hispanic friends in the 60s and 70s, it was like, no, you're here. You don't speak Spanish. So all of my parents, brown friends, Latin friends friends 
none of them speak Spanish, which is kind of weird because their parents are like, no, we're assimilating. It's all English. And then you advance like a generation. And then you got a whole generation of ESL learning in LAUSD, which they have their own problems, right. um, where it's like now you get a whole group of kids that don't even learn how to speak English to 11. And I'm like, oh, that doesn't seem like the right plan either. It's Yeah, so, it's, it's crazy. So are your kids bilingual? Well, <laughs> they understand Spanish, but they don't like they know how to say certain words because my mom will really only talk to them in Spanish sometimes. Perfect. So they definitely understand her for sure. And like there's a woman, she's our cleaning lady and she helps my mom sometimes and they can communicate with her all day long and all she speaks is Spanish. So they do, but not, not as much as I'd like, let's say, but they can understand it for sure. They'll pick it. You should just do the opposite, right? Like now you should just go full Spanish in the house. <laughs> like no, no more English. Right. <laughs> you only take Hispanic clients in the mortgage business. So all they hear you is talking about loan applications. No, it's true. Like, right. I have a lot of Hispanic clientele. I'm not going to lie. Perfect. Yeah, Perfect. So um, where, where are the kids at now? Cause I know for us up here, we're in like the suburbs and we're kind of fighting with the Montessori school as to whether or not they're going to have to wear masks when they go back here in like a month or two. And the public schools, I really don't disagree with a lot of stuff they're doing. So now we're looking at Catholic schools like what what was the final decision for you all so they're still in catholic school right now um next week is their last week we re-enrolled them for next year but they still haven't really said like hey they're gonna go back full day you know that's gonna be one of the things for us too like if they're not gonna go back full day we might look for another school because that's important also the no mask thing right we're over that and sometimes i that's one extra thing you have to think about in the morning is getting that stupid mask out of the damn cabinet and be like what color do you want to wear today kids like it's because we have a whole like disposable box of, of them so as much as i didn't want them to wear them at school it was you know either go to school and wear them or you're still at home with us doing zoom and that wasn't an option anymore. Yeah. it just it wasn't healthy that's yeah because how old are your kids again um eight and six eight and six yeah so, so we're three and five grade. yeah we're three and five. like these are the key years for like you know, social development and yep. seeing people and learning people's yeah. facial facial cues. And I'm just like, yeah. oh, what kind of damage are we doing to young kids right now? Yeah. Like my poor, my older son, who's 19, you know, he lost out on his whole senior year. No prom, no this, no public graduation. Yeah. That was bad enough. But at least like, you know, by 17, 18, he kind of is who he is. Like it's, right. it's fine. And he's 19 and he's thriving now and he's going to college and Zoom and working. But it's like for little kids, I'm like, dude, we just don't even have any idea of the damage that we're doing. And have um, you seen some of the kids? kids that are like terrified of this whole thing that like some parents have really just terrified them to where like I'll see some kids in a store and they're just like they freak out their mask isn't on and like they freak out around people like it's it's some people have really damaged their kids through this. Yeah. I feel. I, I agree. And I looked up uh, we have a mutual friend Cole we looked up some of these stats when he was out here where it's like um, I, I think there might be one or two cases of COVID deaths under 18 because they had pre-existing conditions. They had cancer, right. leukemia, something like that, which is horrific. I don't want any kids to die. Right. But for normal, healthy kids, you're at like a 0. 0.0000 death yeah. rate if they get sick. And then, of course, the next question or the next thing I hear from everybody is like, oh, well, you know, what about killing grandma? And I'm like, dude, I know you. You hate your parents. Your, your kids haven't seen their grandma in six months or a year <laughs> or five years. So don't give me that shit. Um, so anyway, sorry. Well, I get, you I know, little... back really quick to the grandma thing. That was a small concern for us because my thank you. My husband's mom. By the way, this is great that I it's met amazing. a married couple that likes to smoke cigars together. So uh, we we're, we're here. We're here smoking cigars together, which is pretty <laughs> awesome. So his mom is a two time cancer survivor. Um, she's amazing. So that was a concern for us. 
But from day one, she was like, they're the reason I, I'm living right now. Like she lives for our kids. She's like, there is no way that I'm not going to see them. This does not scare me. I do not care. So that wasn't really a thing in our house. Like we right. never stopped seeing my parents or his mom at all. Right. So, you know, but I know a lot of people who are really good friends of ours, actually our best friends. They were not able to see the husband's parents at all. Like they were like, nope. They, I think during, I think when Easter came around, I think yeah. that was April, um, they let them sit in the front yard Ooh. and like, and actually our neighbors, oh my God, it's so funny because my kids <laughs> call them the liberals. Oh, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Cause your kids are just old enough to repeat oh, political stuff goodness. they hear in the house, oh, right? So we, we, we nicknamed our neighbors across the street. Unfortunately, we nicknamed them the liberals because I think it was like week two of COVID, right? we were sitting in the front yard and her dog came like I was just sitting in the front yard. The kids were scootering and whatnot. And her dog came up to me and like, just like sniffing. Like I was like petting the dog. And so she's like, you know, trying to come get her dog. She's like, Mabel, Mabel come over. And she was like, she would not get near me. She's like, I'm sorry, six feet, six feet. I'm sorry. And I'm like, it's fine. I don't care. Like I'm, I'm good, you know? Right. And so ever since I'm like, okay, so they're a little different. So then we saw them at the gas station and they were the ones like wearing the gloves and the, and the mask. And so they would have her parents come over and they would not let them go inside and they would have to be like 20 feet apart in the front yard. Like, so we just nicknamed them liberals. Cause even, even though we don't even know if that's what they are, they are, you know? Right, but, right. So my kids now like, Oh mom, the liberals are home. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I love it so it's much. It's horrible, but they, you know, it's pretty when, funny. Yeah. I, you know, I'm trying so hard cause I'm a pretty, judgmental person to begin with. And I'm trying as I get older to be a little bit more open-minded and see the good in all kind of facets, except for Marxism, fuck that. <laughs> but, um, uh, I, and I'm, I'm trying to be a little bit more open-minded. I really am. And I'm trying to like work on myself to be less, less judgmental, but we were down in Cancun. <laughs> yeah. Trying to be less, less judgmental, but let me tell you how I was being judgmental. Right. We were down in Cancun and I'm like sitting on the beach it's, um, I woke up before the whole family. So I went down there cause we were there for a coaching event. I was doing some journaling and taking some notes on some coaching stuff that I was going to participate in that day. So it's like six o'clock in the morning in Cancun. It's already 80 degrees out. And like, we kind of know that COVID in the sun, in the open air, in 80 degrees, it's not transmittable. Not at all. And I'm sitting there and there's a married couple walking down the beach. And I'm not kidding, Vanessa. It's like, you, you've been to Cancun. You can see for fucking miles and miles. Don't tell me they were wearing There's masks. not another goddamn soul on the beach. This is a married couple holding each other's hands. So clearly, they're if they're going to infect each other, they're already infecting each other. They had a mask and a shield on wow. their face. And I was like... You know, again, trying not to be judgmental. I'm like, well, you know, maybe both That's of them are bad. lung cancer survivors and they're super paranoid and they were just about to walk into like a breakfast where it's going to be really crowded. But the judgmental person in me was like, this is the craziness and the fear that we've been able to instill in people. And then I was like, well, and if you're that scared, don't come on vacation to Cancun. Why are you in Cancun? Just stay at home. Stay why? in your little bubble. Yeah. Oh, God. I, Those I don't know, people drive me nuts. I don't know why that made me so mad, but it made me so mad. Yeah. And it's like, I'm so trying not to be judgy, and I'm trying to teach the kids not to be judgy. But You can um, ask him. Like, I'll sometimes roll down the window if I see something like that. I'm like, you don't have to wear masks outside. Like, I just yell at people. <laughs> no, and, I'm, and I tell them, I'm like, I kind of want to get like a cardboard sign to just chill in the car all the time. So that when I see somebody that's like wearing it outside by themselves, I want to be like, you don't have to wear that, sir. Like that's amazing. Like I just I want to do it so bad. 
but I, I do roll down the window and say that shit sometimes. It's like, come on, people. Yeah. I don't and understand it. So I don't know how you're dealing with this with your kids. Because, <laughs> because, so we went to the zoo, right? We went to the zoo and they had, first of all, the LA zoo is a hundred percent outside. Like the two things that are indoors, the uh, reptilian center and something else was closed because indoors. Okay. I get it. But it's outside. I think this was last summer. It's hot as balls, like yes. 0% and chance. And it's black asphalt. Yeah. Everything there is yeah. black asphalt. Um, they were already at like 25% capacity. So, you know, you're outdoors, you're naturally socially distanced. I think maybe I got within five feet of somebody at the flamingo exhibit. <laughs> um, and they had docents in purple blazers. So first of all, I feel horrible for these docents because they're sweating their yeah. ass off in purple <laughs> polyester you know, polyester blazers, <laughs> telling the kids, uh, mask up, mask up, mask up. And I'm like, you know, my kids are running around. It's like 100 degrees. The last, I don't want them to pass out of like mm -mm. breathing CO2. So then I'm trying to explain to the kids. I'm like, well, you need to respect adults and listen to what the adults say. But not those adults. But then, <laughs> but then the fake. But then fake and put your mask up. And then as soon as you pass the person in purple, put it down. Right. And I'm like, I'm basically teaching my kids how to be psychopathic liars. Right? Yeah. And and I don't I don't know how to deal with that. I, I'm sure I'm screwing everything up. I'm just destroying their little pristine hard drive, which is their young brain. But how are you guys? Because your kids are a little bit older. How are you talking to them about like this is what our family <laughs> values versus this was what other people well, value? Well, it's crazy because. We came up with this little term uh, called COVID scared. So sometimes like we'll be walking around. They're like, oh, mom, that person's COVID scared. <laughs> like they can just tell because they're the ones with the shields and the masks and all of that. So um, we actually found this one restaurant near us that I want to say it was April 2020. It, it's a golf course, but it's a restaurant. And so they're definitely not COVID scared there. So we we started going there. And so honestly, we our kids haven't really been wearing masks this whole time other than school. So we just kind of said, look, some people believe this and we believe this and that's just what it is. And we haven't really sat down and had like a full conversation of what the difference is, but definitely when elections were coming around, they knew what our views were, you right. know, they were very saying Trump 2020 all the time and right. you know, <laughs> saying not great things about um, the other side, let's say. So they they know how we feel yeah. without really having that conversation, I guess you could say. Yeah, I, I'm really interested because, you know, at three and five, six and eight, you know, I think about the first I, I just posted this on Facebook the other day. I thought it was a great question. What's the first news story mm -hmm. you remember as a kid? Right. For a lot of people it was the challenger, older that. people, 9-11 or whatnot. And I'm thinking, like, are my kids hopefully just young enough where they'll forget all of this? Like the first big news story in their mind will be something that happens in 2025. Or is this dramatic enough and has it dragged on long enough where my kids are going to be every flu season be like, oh, dad, are we supposed to put a mask on? Right. Are we supposed to do this? I'll just be like, fuck, man, I don't want to deal with your this Your son year. might remember, but three-year-old, she should forget. Yeah, because I don't have... remember a ton from being five. Yeah. And like, I think I had posted, commented on your post that the whole Rodney King thing was probably my first real, or the LA riots, I'm sorry. That yeah. was the big thing that I remember. So I don't think they'll remember too much. I don't think Hopefully. So I hope not. Hopefully. I hope not. So um, tell us a little bit about business, right? Because the funny thing is, even though we do the same thing, I haven't talked a lot about our business, about the mortgage space on this podcast, because we've had some, <laughs> we've had some great guests. So maybe you can explain to people why the mortgage business and the real estate business was one of the few industries, maybe three to 5% of industries across America that actually were thriving in 2020 mm -hmm. instead of just trying to stay alive. So here's my take on, well, Okay, so 
one of the things that happened obviously during that time was interest rates were extremely low. So that was amazing for us in regards to like refis and stuff like that. People taking cash out of homes. And obviously you know how the market is right now, how nobody can get a home. I think that people being quarantined in their homes made people that were possibly renting at the time realize we need our own space. Like we don't want, if this was to ever happen again, we don't want to be living with three other family. Like, cause there's a lot of people, especially a lot of my clientele, which I, you know, do a lot of, um, loans for Hispanic people. And they live with like three or four different families. Right. Or, so, the, or there's three or four generations. Like yeah, generational living yeah, is very common. Yeah, definitely. So there's like 15 people in one house. So I think that made people realize like, okay, we need to get our own space. We need to finally try to buy a home. Right. So I think that that is a lot of the reason of why there's just not enough inventory right now. So, I mean, we're still crazy busy. I mean, with purchases now, the rates have kind of settled a little bit, I guess you could say. Um, so maybe the refires aren't as much as there was last year, but I think purchases right now are through the roof. I don't know about for you. I'm sure. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's really busy. It's really scary because there's so many more buyers. I think, I think more so than any time in my 21 year career, I have way more pre-approved buyers per ongoing Same. accepted offer than I've ever had. I think yep. we counted the other day, you know, we're usually closing somewhere between 15 and 20 deals a month. I got 130 people that are like pre-approved, locked and loaded. They're getting pre-approval letters every week and they just can't get a deal accepted because there's yep. so many buyers per property, yep. um, which just leads me to believe prices are going to continue to go up yep. and then there's just going to be more of a problem. I mean, it's just, I don't see this ending anytime soon i don't either um yeah crazy um so you and i have an interesting interesting history because i interviewed you when you were first thinking about making a a, a company yep. move you were working on the support side of the business Correct. and i interviewed you for a processing position or something like that i was like wait wait you are way too personable and knowledgeable <laughs> to be working in a support role you've got that sales acumen like you need to go um you need to go become a loan officer and i remember meeting your husband the first time took you guys out for sushi talked about how you should become a loan officer. And then you went to become a loan officer or somebody not named Scott Groves, which really hurt my feelings, but that's okay. We can still be friends. Um, uh, so tell us a little bit about your journey from like operations to sales. And I mean, for well, people that don't know in the mortgage business, when you're a retail loan officer, you're not sitting in bank of America. You really have to go out there and build sure. your own business and do your own thing and get your own clients. It's, it's stressful. It's hard. It's not easy. And, and you've done it masterfully. So maybe you can just talk about that journey. Yeah, no, definitely. So it's funny because you weren't, you were one of the first ones, let's say that told me that I'd be a better loan officer than I would be a processor. My, one of my very first branch managers, his name was John Andy. Shout out to John. If you ever hear this, I still love that guy. Um, he's like, Vanessa, most of my clients like you more than they like me. <laughs> he's like, you should really get your license and, and try and do this. And I was like, really? But you know, like when you're making that hourly amount and that bonus and whatnot, you kind of get scared to jump into the commission only side. That's a very scary transition. Yeah. So you know, and, and I finally just did it after you kind of, after hearing what you said, I was like, you know, he's the second person that told me that I should probably try it. And I did. And honestly, it's all about just building relationships and, and you know, keeping that relationship open with, because I, I built my business with realtors. That was a hundred percent what I did at first. Um, you know, just having meetings with them and kind of being their friend, Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's really how 
it all started. And, and now, honestly, knock on wood, I've gotten to a point where I honestly get phone calls out of nowhere from so-and-so that referred me and, oh, you did my sister's loan last year. And, you know, I'd like to get pre-approved too. Like it's taken, you know, 12 years to get to that point, let's say. Oh my um, goodness, crazy. But it's, it's a great thing when you don't have to be having realtor meetings every day, you know? Yeah. So, um, and definitely, I don't know about for you, but even when we were quarantined, let's say, and nothing was really open, like no real estate offices, I still kept those relationships open with like text messages and phone calls and all that kind of stuff. Cause we really couldn't meet with people. Like nobody was really open to it. You know what I mean? So, um, that's when I kind of started working more on my database and doing more emails and, you know, videos and whatnot. So, yeah, I mean, it, but definitely making that jump from ops to sales was not something I was prepared for, I guess. Yeah. But when I finally did it, I'm like, okay, this is, this is good. After the first couple of months, I was like, all right, they, these checks are a little better than being a processor, you know? Yeah. So um, I'm super glad I would never, I, and it's funny because I tell everybody, I'm like, you have to be a little insane to do this job. Like you have to just be a little bit crazy because I don't know about you. Like, I mean, even if you're doing great on, on a certain loan, let's say you're still, you still have to manage so many different personalities, you know? And so that can get difficult because you can get yelled at one day for no reason, <laughs> you know? So you have to kind of just take it with a grain of salt. And it, I tell my husband like on the daily, I'm like, I just want to punch somebody today. Like, I mean, that happens. <laughs> and I think I quit every other week. I really do. I'm like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm done. And then I'm like, all right, I'm back on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, it is a this, roller coaster. It is this weird level of stress. And, and I know realtors feel this as well to a certain extent, but at the end of the transaction, everything comes down to yep. the lender delivering. Like if the loan documents get there and the loan funds, everything kind of culminates with the loan officer. The problem is, and maybe I'm talking to you realtors or potential buyers, the problem <laughs> is everything that happens for the 28 days prior to that culminating in the loan documents and the loan funding, the loan officer has very little control over that. You For know, sure. we have we have no control over the appraiser and we have no control over whether your insurance agent responds or not. And we have no control over the quality of the escrow company or the title company or the homeowner's insurance or whether or not the house is in a flood. There's like a million things that can but go wrong. We do. But it, but somehow you and I have control over all of that. Yeah. If I had control over all of that, I wouldn't be doing loans. I would be a multi-billionaire. You know what I always say? I'm like, listen, I don't get paid until this closes either. Like if I could close it in two days, I would, I want to get paid just as quickly as you do. Like I don't have control over the appraiser that didn't show up for the appointment on Monday. I'm sorry. Right. You know what I right, mean? Right. But it's like, it's always our fault. Yeah. Always. It's very, it's very fun to get in trouble for everything all day long. And, and I'm with you. It's like, this job can be so rewarding, especially as you mentioned, you know, you have a lot of first time buyers oh, yeah. and it's like, that's so cool when you get somebody into their first house and you see like them post a picture on Facebook, like this is going to be the place their kid grows up and there's going to be yeah. like some generational wealth. And I think for a lot of the the people you and I serve, a lot of times they're the first people in their family mm -hmm. to ever own a house. Yeah. So that's super cool. But God, getting, getting yelled at is- It makes is it all cool. worth it when you have those ones that are, you know, super grateful. Like I had a guy, I think it was yesterday- his wife just passed away in January. They never bought a house together. She had cancer. He oh. literally was crying when I told him like, hey, you qualify for, it, it was like 315,000. You know what I mean? And he was the happiest person ever. 
He was literally shedding a tear. He's like, I'm going to send you a gift card in your email for you and your husband to go to dinner. Like, this is the best news I've had all year, blah, blah, blah. You made my year. I'm like, that makes it worth it. Like, I'll get beat up all day for those results. You know what I mean? So that's why I'm still here. (laughs) That's pretty cool. You know, it's funny when I talk to people around the nation or people with different political opinions or even some of our coaching clients that are that are women or gay or black or whatever the case may be. um, You know, I think we're kind of spoiled here in California because for the most people, people are open minded, right? Like, like nobody cares if your loan officer is a male or female or black or gay, which I, well, I think this, I say this as like middle-aged white guy. What, was there any weirdness or glass ceiling or did you get, did you feel any pushback as a woman entering the industry? Cause like the first couple yeah. loan officers I worked for were badass women, but I know the industry is pretty much overwhelmingly Honestly, male. I think that women are better because we were able to gain trust way quicker than you guys. I totally agree with you. Men are way more salesy, way more. Um, and we just kind of build that rapport and start talking to, you know, the why or, you know, whatever the client might be. But we're just able to gain trust much quicker, I think. Yeah. It's like that maternal, maternal yeah. instinct, mm-hmm. right? Like it's mm-hmm. like I'm there to sell them something and you're there to like be their mom and shepherd mm-hmm. them through the deal. Like, and actually I even use that as a line with some of my realtors. Like, Hey, you don't have a female on your team. Like you don't have a female lender so far. Well, let me be your backup to your male lender because let me tell you, I'll be able to gain trust from your clients quicker than he will. Totally. Totally. <laughs> I hate to say it, but I did use it. Yeah, no, it's great. I've got a, I've got a good friend, Natalie Salins, who I think you've met a few times. And when we were working in the same Keller Williams office together, there would be realtors that would come up and be like, Oh, Scott, I think this one's better handled by a woman. Or <laughs> they'd come up to Natalie and be like, Natalie, you're my girl. But like, this person's really aggressive and a little obnoxious. I'm going to pawn him off on Scott. Right. And I'd be like, all right, cool. Whatever, whatever floats your boat. Like right. I, I totally get it. So that's awesome that you've been able to use that to your advantage instead of um, it being a detriment. I ne- I yeah. I never saw it as like an obstacle, let's say ever. Awesome. Yeah. And your English is fine too. So, (laughs) (laughs) right. (laughs) Um, So, you know, you mentioned uh, I wasn't going to bring it up for you because I did. I never want to rat anybody out on their political beliefs, but you brought up the Trump 2020 thing. And um, uh, that really puts you in the minority. Like you're a female minority in Los Angeles who's pro Trump and willing to say it. Um, So, have you lost all your friends? Have you lost all your friends on Facebook? Or, you know what's funny? I didn't lose any of my friends, but I lost my family, like my dad's side mainly. Like, they all blocked me, unfriended me. They did not like it. So, like, will they talk to you at a family barbecue over some uh, carnitas or they won't talk to you at all? Okay. So, at the wedding I just mentioned we went to last month, they'll talk to me, but they definitely want to put in some digs here and there. And then I just take, put them right back, you know, like, I mean, I hate to bring up a vaccine conversation, let's say. So, for example, tomorrow night, I believe my cousins are all getting together. And one of them joked and said, well, you have to have a vaccine to come. I'm like, okay, well, in that case, I'm out, you know. So they're all complete opposite views from me. So we all just kind of make comments back and forth to each other. But they definitely, like, they would fight with my mom as well on Facebook. And they just got to the point where, like, they got sick of what I would post. And they just decided to block me because I was not... I mean, I wasn't like, hey, BLM. You know, I wasn't all of right. that stuff. I wasn't like, you know, Kamala Harris is amazing. I That was not me at all, which yeah. as you know. So they, yeah, I mean, well, I'll tell you about Thanksgiving as well because my sister, hopefully she never listens to this podcast. Oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> Let's talk about Thanksgiving 2020. <sighs> that was eventful. Um, well, so we, I thank God we were done with dinner and... Somehow, uh, 
blue, I think it was like blue lives matter or whatever got brought up. Um, my father-in-law was a police officer. Um, and, but I don't think she remembered this, but so long story short, we started talking about God, what was the, what, what, what was the main thing that we talked about that got, erupted into that whole fight? Anyway, it was explosive. We all fought. My dad like slammed his hand on the table because we were all like yelling at each other at dinner because my sister has very liberal views. And I'm like, dad, you didn't, you raised us in the same house. How is this possible? Like he gets so upset about it too. And actually on Christmas that year, which was a couple weeks later, she had my nephew um, wear a Black Lives Matter t-shirt <laughs> to Christmas. And I'm like, Veronica, you really did that just to spite me, didn't you? <laughs> because yeah. we talked about that as well. And so it just was an explosive Thanksgiving because we all just, it, we got in a fight about all of that. And so, yeah, I mean, so a lot of my family doesn't, you know, think the same way that I do. So yeah, I lost a lot of my Facebook friends that were family. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been trying to convince people for the last year that like two things can be true at the same time. And I don't know why this is so hard for Americans right now in our super angry political discourse. Cause I was telling people from the beginning, I'm like black lives matter, lowercase B, lowercase L, lowercase M. I a hundred percent agree with that. Of course, black lives matter. Of course, I know that there's some structure. Sure. There's a lot of structural problems for the black community. Like, you know, it was only like three people ago, they were still slaves. No, like five people ago, they were still slaves. Three people ago, you know, they couldn't buy a house in Glendale. We, we just did a podcast that's going to come out shortly. And it's like, I remember when I first got into business in 2000, you would see some of these deed restrictions in Glendale. Glendale must've been a really racist place. Uh, <laughs> you would see these deed restrictions because, you know, the house hadn't been refinanced or sold in like 40 years. And it clearly said on there, will not be sold to a Negro. And I was like, holy wow. fuck, that's a real thing. Um, so I agree that there's problems for sure. And, and there's all kinds of stuff that we need to deal with as a country to get better. And I was telling people from the beginning, I'm like capital BLM, the organization black lives matters. This is a Marxist financial scam. Like, just trust me. I was trying to tell people, I'm like, please do not tie your caboose to this group because like power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. And this just feels like a money grab. And then sure enough, fast forward seven months, it's like the director's stepping down yep. and the other one turns out she bought, you know, $5 million worth of houses in three neighborhoods that are like 99% white. And I'm like, you know, I don't want to go, <laughs> I don't want to go back and tell all those people, see, I told you, but right. I kind of want to go back on this podcast and say, see, I told you. Right. Well, here's the thing that makes me mad. And of course, I'm right there with you where black lives do matter, right? But I'm I'm more so of the camp of like all lives matter because my parents came here with nothing and they worked their asses off to get where they're at. My mom is a nurse. She just retired after being a nurse for 40 years. My dad was a businessman. He he was always an entrepreneur, had businesses and whatnot. So they had the same opportunities everybody here has the same opportunity. It's just how much you're willing to work for it. So I just don't believe in just because we're black or just because we're this color or whatever it is you shouldn't just get handed something because that's what you are because i saw my parents build and work for what they have gotten and they instilled that in me so that just kind of makes me mad because i kind of feel it's more of like a because we're black we deserve this or that and i'm not a, i'm not of that like i don't i don't believe in that right so right but i'm not saying that it doesn't matter because it does but Hey, like, okay, if you, if you feel that you deserve that, then get your ass up and get it. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. 
there's a there's an economy there's like three economists that i like that all happen to be black and i don't like them because they're black they just happen to be black and you know they talk about things from a very economic view and they're like yeah it, could we talk about reparations for sure we could talk about the logistics of that do we need to talk about the the the, the original sin of america absolutely but if we're just talking about economics and family structures like some there's some things we could be doing also as a as a culture not as a race right. to do better and I, and I think that's an important distinction when we talk about this stuff because there's race there's culture there's there's all kinds of variables and it's like anybody that wants to paint this brush with anybody whether it's whether it's all one race or all trump voters or whatever it just disgusts me i'm like it's just so boring to me it's like can yeah. we have a little bit more nuanced conversation about like how a Hispanic female in uh, California becomes a, uh, a Trump supporter. I don't know. That That's an interesting conversation to me, but I want to know more about it. I don't want to just completely dismiss your opinion because right. um, I, did, I didn't vote for Trump, but I also didn't vote for Biden. I'm the guy who always wastes <laughs> his vote on the libertarian, and then I get yelled at by both sides. So, Side note, did you know that you can't wear anything that says who you're voting for to the voting polls? I did not know this. I did not know that. Okay, so the day we went to vote, because I was all about doing it in person. Like I'm like, this is... It's what I do. I, I'm not going to mail in. I, it's not me. So the day that we went to vote, I had Trump socks, Trump t-shirt, Trump hat, you you name it. I had it on and I show up and this big security guard is like, ma'am, you can't be wearing that. You have to take your hat off. And they made me put on a vest that covered my t-shirt. Mind you, I still had the socks so you could still see my socks. Sweet. And some lady that like checked me and she's like, I like your socks. <laughs> I was like, thank you. So anyway, so they knew who I was voting for. But anyway, apparently it's like against the law. I didn't know that. I had no idea. And so the security guard tells my husband, he's like, I bet she's been planning that outfit for a week. And he's like, she has. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so. So what, you know, what were the things, what were the issues that that had you voting for Trump on a second term? Right. Because um, I, I know a lot of women that are that are definitely more conservative. Um, I know a lot of women that were not super excited about Biden, but you know, there were certain things about Trump's personality that they just could not, they could not get over. Right. And we can go all the way back to the, you know, sure. grab him by the VJ. Um, and I, I get it. I mean, if, had I been mic'd up, um, for the three years I was in the army, I'm sure I would have no friends and I would be canceled everywhere because right. we said all kinds of horrific things and you know, I'm not, I'm not making any excuses, but he was, he was joking with a dude in a fucking. Here's the thing. And I'm group. not saying he has a great personality. Like no, I, I, I think he's I, a piece of shit as a human, but I like I, some I, of his see, policies. I don't really think that either, but the two main things were like the taxes obviously. And yeah. then, um, the abortion stuff. Like I've born, I'm born and raised Catholic. Like it's just in me. Um, you know, I, that's one thing I'm, I'm very Catholic in some ways, um, so that was those two things were the main reason why I voted for him. And honestly, like I would do it again. Trump 2024. I would I would hope for that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so those, you know, those are the two main ones. It is kind of funny because Trump's, I think, the only president that has gotten elected and then everybody was angry for him because he did exactly he was trying to do exactly what he said he was going to do. He's like he's like, ah, I've been a liberal most of my life, but I'm going to pass pro life legislation and he did and he's like i've been a businessman my whole life but i also want to be a little bit more protectionary over america and not have you know wide open free trade of china and that's what he did he's like he's literally the only president who said what he was going to do and then he tried did. to do it and then everybody hated him for it and i was like but he kind of told you what he was going to do <laughs> i think people were just blinded by his personality and couldn't see past it and if they if they actually saw past it they would realize he was actually probably one of our best presidents 
That's my I, opinion. Do you think time will be more kind to him? Like now, now everybody thinks George oh. W. is like was a good guy, yeah. and I'm like, yeah. wait a minute, you were calling him a Nazi. You were calling him like the second coming of yeah. Hitler a decade ago. Like yeah. people's memory is so short. I I think that time will people will start to realize and open their eyes. Like I don't know about you, but I see a bunch of videos now where like people have posted videos of like they're when they go pump gas and they like flip it off and like there's to you Joe Biden. I'm like right. you know so stuff like that. So I think down the road people realize like damn we really had it good yeah you know yeah so what what i what i hope um because i'm always trying to convince my republican friends of something a little bit more liberal my liberal friends of something way more conservative <laughs> what i hope that people take away from it is like i hope republicans take away from it like words matter right and and i i don't think trump is some crazy racist homophobe no, i think no. he just doesn't want to talk to anybody who can't further his personal agenda so if you happen to be white or black or female or gay and you can further his personal agenda, he's gonna be super nice to you. If not, he has no place in his world for you. <laughs> That's my opinion. Um, so I can see why different people would take things away from him. But like the words matter, how he addressed the country matters. Some of the bonehead things he said and tweeted matters. I want my Republicans friends to be like, oh yeah, there is value in having somebody a little bit more stately. Sure. Um, I and then I also want my liberal friends to realize that the things the president doesn't say, like Biden hiding and taking naps by three o'clock every day that emboldens like Hamas to attack Israel or it emboldens China to be like, I think just the other day they said, Oh, well, if you want to come investigate Wuhan, they made some like thinly veiled <laughs> nuclear threat. And I'm like, that shit just doesn't happen right. when like Trump or Bush was there. You either right. have to be feared or respected. And I feel like Biden has neither. And that's talking, you know, that's, that's coming from somebody who didn't vote for Trump or Biden. I, I'm like, Trump was feared. Obama was probably respected. George W. was feared. Bill Clinton was respected. You know, Reagan was respected and feared. Um, but I feel like Biden has neither. I'll take the non-stately comments versus Biden not even being able to form a sentence. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so I, I'll take that back any day. Yeah. The mean tweets. <laughs> and, I'll take that back. And there's some been some creepy stuff. Like the other day, and, and I kind of get where it's like this weird old man. He's kind of losing his mind sentiment. Yeah, like I get it because this is weird shit. Like if my grandfather said it before he died or my crazy Uncle Hubert, I'd be like, whatever, that's crazy Uncle Hubert. Crazy Uncle Hubert shouldn't have been the fucking president. Exactly. But Biden said something the other day where he's like, and look at little Betsy sitting over there <laughs> with her did. legs crossed, looking like she's 17. And they no, panned over no, and it was like a not. nine-year-old girl. No. He yeah. really said this? And I'm like, and don't get me wrong. I don't think Biden's some part of some crazy liberal pedophile ring. I don't believe that <laughs> Pizzagate conspiracy theory either. Right. But when he's looking over at a nine-year-old, like, look at little Betsy over there with her legs crossed, looking like she's a 17-year-old. I'm like, you couldn't have at least said 18? Like, <laughs> like you, you're still, you. Oh, it was so gross. It made my skin this. crawl. That's yeah, very wow. weird. Okay, now I'm going to have to Google that clip and just watch it. That's horrible. Yeah, I, w I was trying to convince a buddy of mine who has a daughter, Um, you know, when like Biden like leans in and smells their hair. Oh, God. And I'm like, I'm like, Justin, I'm like, my, oh, you know, I'm Justin Grable. I was like, Justin, I'm like, if I did that to your daughter, you're going to knock me the fuck out. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, that's the guy you want as your president. <laughs> He's like, well, it's the same thing as like grabbing by the pussy. And I'm like, well, God. yeah, maybe. I don't I mean, know. I, yeah, I see that. They're all, they're all horrible. God damn. Okay. So what exactly is a libertarian? Like, can you just explain that? Yeah. A libertarian just wants the government to stay out of everything. And it gets very confusing because then, of course, the immediate argument towards libertarian is like, oh, so you don't want them to build roads? It's like, no, there's probably a place for roads and police and fire, but they just want lower taxes. Like, you know, the the the, the libertarian T-shirt says, like, 
I don't care, you know, if you're smoking weed while, you know, you, you, you have gay sex with an AR-15 by the side of the bed, just keep taxes low. Okay. And it's like, okay. that's, that's kind of the, I that's kind that. of the thought process. So I've got plenty of problems with both parties. The problem is all libertarians want their own thing. So they'll never coalesce right. around a party and actually be like a real political party. Like, uh, libertarians, the big L, the part, the libertarian party, they're just as much of a mess because everybody right. in that party wants a totally different thing. So it's okay. ask 20 libertarians, you'll get 20 different answers. I've never actually met one until today. So perfect. There you go. Well, I mean, I met you before, but I didn't know that that's what you, that's where we stand. Yes. Um, so what else is going on in California that's either exciting you or driving you nuts? Gosh. Um, well, I'm, I'm excited to see what brings, uh, what June 15th brings, you know, because right now I can't really stand, how it is um, where we live right now. We we live in San Bernardino County, so it's a little bit more free, I guess you could say. Um, there's not really a ton of masks where we, you know, grocery stores. Like he goes to the grocery store without it all the time. I'm I'm kind of getting there. Oh, so you um, want to kill my grandma? Huh? <laughs> so I don't know. I honestly like I I go back and forth with him. I'm like God. Sometimes I really hate California, but when I could never live, you know, I could never move from here. You know, yeah, but I just hate some of the stuff like where I think we're like the only state that really isn't like fully open yet. Yeah, I always joke if it wasn't for my sister and my mother in law, like I have an amazing wife, but I have a world class mother in law who makes our life so much better and watches the kids and comes over and cooks whenever I want to eat too much food. Um, it's like if it wasn't for my sister and my my nephew and then my mother in law, we'd be gone. Yeah, it's like, if I had no family, I, I wouldn't be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because you like paying 52% in taxes, right? right? No, not really. But honestly, like, I mean, we it, we traveled a lot during the whole quarantine. Like we went to Utah quite a few times um, and Arizona. And honestly, it was just a different world. And I'm like, it, it, like I said, if I did not have family here, I would probably go somewhere like that because it just felt more normal. Yeah. It just didn't it didn't feel so restrictive. Yeah. You know, Chris and I were talking about the other day. He had to run down the street to like Walmart or something. We we're having a barbecue and I was in the middle of entertaining. So he was nice enough to run down. And uh, he was like, yeah, people people are way nicer than you would think on the media. You know, he's like got a bag of hot dog buns. And they're like, hey, just go ahead of me. Like people are nice and people are good. And yeah. if you stay away from the media other than maybe Thanksgiving dinner, most people aren't getting in fights. But I also feel because I've also traveled to Mexico a couple of times, Texas a couple of times, Arizona a bunch for work. I feel like Californians are getting angrier because of yeah. the mask thing and because of the politics. I, I feel like California is becoming what I used to think New York was. Like everybody's kind of rude, doesn't want you sitting next to them. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. I, I don't know, maybe I'm making this up in my head because I am mad at everything that's going on. Maybe I'm the one that's getting more angry. But do you feel that also? Do you feel I, there's like- I just told him today, I experienced it today. I had to go to Beverly Hills with my sister today and God, it was, oh, if. I had my mask down. I just got mean stares. I went into La Pan Quotidian because I was like starving. And I was like, all right, I'm going to sit here. You have like a time limit. You can only sit there for 60 minutes. There's no Wi-Fi because they don't want you to be on Wi-Fi because they think you'll stay there longer. Um, and they won't even, you have to go get your own food because the server can't come to your table. Like, it's just like people are just, some lady like didn't even, she was mad because they made her wear one of the masks that was sitting by the counter because she didn't have one. And she's like, you know, that's illegal. People are breathing on those masks. Like it was just like, a whole, I'm like, I'm just so over this. Like people are just, they're crazy. They yeah. lost their minds. Yeah. And I mean, with no Wi-Fi, where are all the men with man buns writing their right. screenplays? Yeah. Like, no, LA. no, nobody was on their computer. I was so mind, like mind blown. I was like, 
nobody is in here working. Like, what am I supposed to do? So I had to go to the car and like sit there. Like it, there was nowhere that had Wi-Fi. I went to three different places. They do not want you sitting there. That's it, weird. it was horrible. It's weird. Yeah. Cause I mean, like just culturally you walk into a Starbucks and there's like eight dudes there that look not exactly anymore. the same Yeah, man bun, skin tight jeans, writing their screenplay. Everybody has the same yeah. MacBook, and that, that culture is gone. I kind of miss that actually. It's weird. I miss that. I miss having that. I know that sounds stupid, but I just miss what, what was there before. Yeah. You know, do you think after June 15th, it'll get back to that? Everybody will sigh a relief. And, and even the people that were like hardcore, you know, a year ago in the paint, you and I have a lot of friends that like a year ago, they were going hard in the paint saying, you're trying to kill your grandmother. Mm -hmm. This is going to wipe out 10% of the U.S. population. You know, Trump is the devil. Yep. Um, he hates Chinese people. I don't know. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. Um, but like, do you think those people will get back to normal or do no. you think they're scarred for life? I think they're scarred for life. We say that all the time. We're like, people have just really lost their minds. Like, I don't think those people that were that hardcore, I don't think will ever get back to pre-March 2020. Like, I don't think they, they're going to get past it. They're still going to be scared. 100%. Oh. I think. What I could be wrong. What do you, I mean, what do you, how do you feel? I don't know. I just think it'd be, I, I, I want to hope for the best because I think about what a horrible way to go through life. But like why all of a sudden June 15th, are they going to not be scared? Like what's going to make them not scared? What's different about June 15th? Well, Biden's the president. Okay. But like what's <laughs> different from right now? June, what are we, is it June 4th, June 3rd, whatever? Yeah. Like what's, what's going to happen in 12 days or however many days that is? Like what is the difference? I kind of want to just do this social experiment because I'm pretty healthy right now other than the cigars. I kind of just want to go on June 15th, like walk around Walmart and kind of like cough and just videotape see the reaction happens. and then like like go to McDonald's and cough and see what reaction I get and see like, all right, where, where are the mass people hanging out still? Because like, look, I don't care, man. I, I used to play a lot of poker down at Commerce Casino in my 20s because I was a gambling degenerate. And there, there's a lot of Asian people that play poker yeah. in Southern California and a lot of them wear masks at the table. And my first reaction was like, that's weird. And then I'm like, no, oh, you're kind of older. Yeah. I know you smoke like four packs a day when you're playing poker and there's just, there's a lot of germs, you know, you're, yeah. you're touching cards and chips and people are hacking a lung up at the table. And there's a lot of unhealthy people that play poker in, in Los Angeles, especially. So I was like, <laughs> I was like, all right, cool. You do you like, you want right. to wear a mask. If that's how people want to live the rest of their life. I just don't like it being mandated on me and I don't like it mandated on my kids, which is sure. the thing that pisses me off. Yep. Yep. <sighs> yeah. I mean, Man. I don't know. I, I, I don't think a lot of people are going to get back to normal. I mean, I really don't. All right. Well, sucks for them yeah. um back to finance what what do you, what do you think is going to happen in the housing market in california do you think we're going to reach some tipping point do you think we're in a bubble oh, do you think gosh. i mean because i know you get asked this question every day every by day. clients are we are we in a bubble like should i not be buying right now Ugh. i'm like no we're not we're not i don't think there's going to be a crash like everyone says i really don't i i could be crazy and wrong but i don't i think that Things will even out like either rates will go up and prices will come down a little bit because they have to like right now they're just crazy. Like you buy a house in San Bernardino for like 500,000 like what? Like no, nobody. Yeah. For people that don't know San Bernardino as a reference point, what did houses in San Bernardino cost a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago? Like if you were buying a starter home, three bedroom, two bath, 250. Yeah. So they've doubled in value yeah. in five years. Yeah, for sure. I mean like right now you can't even get in the high desert, which is like, you know, Victorville, Apple Valley, those places, you can't even get the, in there for less than 400, 500, which back in the day, you could find a cool house for 180. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, I mean, back I, in the day, as in like two, three years ago. Yeah, back in the so. way back in the day. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I remember ten years ago, people being like, "Oh, I'm moving to Apple Valley because I can buy a house for a hundred thousand yeah. dollars." And yeah, I'm going to take a pay cut moving from Santa Monica, where they're renting for twenty five hundred bucks a month. But then they're like, "I can own a house for fifteen hundred dollars. I don't care how much money I make, right?" right? And now Apple Valley, to your point, four hundred thousand, five hundred thousand yeah. dollars, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you think rates might tick up a little bit, and that'll kind of even out prices? Yeah. And then, like, do people just stop buying? Do we pick up inventory? Does the state of California no. let people start building houses? Like, what are we going to do? I think, well, I kind of see a lot of building going on right now. Don't you? Yeah. A, a lot a of lot people, a lot of new homes, a lot of, like, homes, a lot of yeah. small lot subdivisions yeah. where they tear down a couple houses and put up like nine luxury condos. On another note, don't you hate when your clients go to new build and they try to like the lender there tries to take them? Uh, anyway. Yeah. That's Can you explain that? Because that's the weirdest relationship that's like still left over in the mortgage industry that feels very unethical. So for for people that haven't it is dealt, unethical. for people that haven't dealt with a new build, our industry was basically taken over in 2009. We can't pay you know realtors for referrals, no kickbacks. All that's basically been washed out of the industry, which is great. Um, but there's still this weird in-house builder relationship mm -hmm. that's awkward. Can you explain what so that is? When they walk in there, they obviously, if they put their name on the list or or want to buy a certain lot, they have to get cross-qualified or qualified with their in-house lender. And once they do that, if they qualify, they will offer them like an insane number, like $20,000 of upgrades and closing costs. So we cannot comp compete with that. Like we just can't. So I lose a lot of people because of that but um you know i sometimes i actually had one guy that was like no vanessa i'm using you i don't care how much the money they give me which that was like a one-off but i just i don't understand it i don't i don't get how they're able to do that yeah i don't, I, I don't understand the relationship i don't understand the legal relationship of it because everything that came out of 2009 was like you just as the realtor or supposedly as the builder cannot steer somebody to a specific lender because you know it cuts down on competition right because right. like maybe they're getting twenty thousand dollars in credits toward the house but maybe they're getting screwed on the interest rate and the cost with the loan i'm not saying that that's the case always but that's right. what the government was trying to protect Avoid, against or, and yeah. yeah so you are seeing some more new builds more yeah. new construction in your areas a lot and what are what are those new construction houses costing these days now that lumber is you know, worth more than gold. For example, I have like one guy right now in that area we're talking about, like Victorville. I think he was buying it for like four eighty, which is crazy. Like in that area, you know what I mean. So, um, and then I have a lot of people going to like Riverside, like Harupa, um, Hemet, Hemet, which is like who buys a house in Hemet. But that was one area that I see a lot of new build. Um, also, what was the other one? Like Beaumont. All those places. There's still yeah. a lot of new builds there. Yeah, people are just moving farther and yes. farther out to the suburbs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I'm wondering if these are people that are relocating from one, like, service industry job in L.A. proper, like, out to the suburbs. Or if these are people like us who are like, hey, I don't have to be at a happy hour every night anymore entertaining realtors. I do 90% of my business from my cell phone and Zoom. Right. So, you know, of course, why would, why would I live in... Echo Park, where a starter home's a million too. If I'm just stuck at home doing Zoom, I'll move out to Hemet and have a badass house for four hundred grand. I, I'm, I'm, I don't know the demographics. I don't know if this is the case because you know people like to live where they like to live. A lot but. of people are working remotely now, though. Like I have a lot of clients that are moving out that way that do work remote. I think she has to like a lot of people that I've helped recently. They have to go in the office like one or two days a week at the most, so they don't mind making that drive once or twice versus five days. Yeah. So, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. What's the weirdest job you've seen so far in the mortgage space where people are working at home? You're like, how are you working from home? 
Um, oh my gosh, what was this one? I saw, I was like, how do you do that from home? Oh my God. I want to say it was like something medical where I was like, well, how are you going to be able to tell that they even have this? It was something medically related that I just, it was mind boggling that she can do it from home. Yeah. How about you? What was, um, I know a guy that is a 3d printing engineer and he's doing it from home and like physical 3d printing, not like computer graphics. Does he have like all the stuff at home? Yeah. They, they basically just shipped out a couple hundred thousand dollars of 3D printing technology to his garage. And then, you know, his job is to take the plans and see if it actually works and prints on the thing. Wow. And and they just realized, they're like, well, if you can't be here, I guess you can just do quality control from your garage. And he's like, sweet, moving out to Palmdale. <laughs> and he's like, because he can buy a McMansion in Palmdale for yeah. 500 grand, whereas he was getting outbid on every house in LA. Yeah. And I'm like, so what happened? He's like, they just rented a U-Haul and they sent up like, I think it was like half a million dollars of 3D printing wow. technology. And same thing. He's like, I'll drive into, you know, the office once a week for uh, yeah. for work and to pick up new supplies or whatever the stuff is they put through the system. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool, yeah. I guess. So that's interesting. It's it's a different world. And uh, and then I did help a girl. Um, uh, she's currently putting offers on house. She made a lot of money last year, like a lot on OnlyFans. Um, wow. And so obviously I can't talk too much about her situation because <laughs> she is a. Uh, client and I have a fiduciary responsibility there to not disclose her financial situation. But let's just say she's buying a very expensive house based on last year's. Apparently there was a lot of bored dudes at home that were wow. willing to pay $29 to see her do videos of herself in a kiddie pool, like, you know, like a, like Ew. a hot tub pool in her living room. So she was in an apartment, wow. didn't know how to make any money. She bought a hot tub, just started doing OnlyFans videos and she crushed it. Um, wow. And she's putting a lot of money down on a very nice house right now. Well, good for her. It's like, good for her. Use what you got, I guess. I, I mean, actually did um, a loan recently for a blogger, which well, that was like my first. So she just does like gluten free, like recipes and stuff on like Instagram and like Facebook and stuff. And she made a lot of money doing that. It's amazing. And it's like all just internet and like TikTok. And she was getting paid just by mentioning a certain brand. It's like, wow, you know? That is a cool part of our job. Like when I, when I get frustrated on the day to day, I'm like, but I do get to talk to a lot of cool people, yeah. especially in LA that make money in really unique ways, right. like really weird stuff. Um, That's cool. And then you get to know a whole lot of people's inner workings. Yes. My, yes. Old, my old partner, uh, Larissa, she used to joke, we never did it. Disclosure, never did it. She used to joke uh, that we should start a dating service um, and like client, clients had to get pre-approved before they went on the first date. So we would know their finances, how much money they have in the bank. Are they stable at their right. job? Do they own a house? And then she's like, then I can give the clearance for them to go on the first date with the young lady. Right? And I'm like, oh, that's a really good that angle, a right? Yeah, I'm sure matchmakers do that, I'm sure. What are matchmakers? Like pe people that like, because I actually had a friend, her name was... Um, Midge and her friend Mary paid like 20 grand to this one lady who like you fill out this like form and well it's multiple forms because they have to know everything about you and they'll like set you up with someone. Is this like a sugar daddy situation? No, or is this like didn't a you see that show on Channel E, The Millionaire Matchmaker? Yeah. yeah. No. You had to pay like 100 grand to go into her little ecosystem. Wait, yes. wait, what? People like she would find you someone to date if you paid her money. You never saw that show. No. Patty, Patty, what the heck? Patty Stanger oh, or something. Like, You're going to have to look it up now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So these are women or men? Both. Why, why would women need to pay a hundred grand to find a date? Like women can just walk into the vast car. majority were men and the, and they had to qualify for the income and the women just had to be pretty. 
Wow, you gotta, okay, first of all, you have to look this up. You have to link to it and you need to send me like a YouTube video because this sounds fascinating. Well, the particular person that I know, she was like 65 when she did it and she had money and she couldn't really find anybody. Anybody that like she trusted, let's say, because she had money, right? Right. So she filled out this thing and, and the person that she got set up on dates with had to have like a certain amount of money, let's say, and had to be willing to travel and whatnot. And so, yeah, I mean, she got set up and actually they're still together. So this is like on Facebook. This is like to make sure that like a, a wealthy widower right. or a guy who's maybe, you know, worked his whole 20 years of life and is this entrepreneur who killed it. Is it to like make sure they don't get some grifter that's just going to marry him and then take all their money? Mm -hmm. This is so weird. This is like dating insurance. Yeah. This I can't believe so you've awkward. never heard of this. I've never heard of this. Yeah. The channel eGal was Patty Stanger. Yep, Patty Stanger. You. Yeah. That's so weird. So people would pay her a hundred grand to find them dates. Mm -hmm. She was like, she had a show for like a couple years on on E, I believe. Yeah. I feel like you can just go to Vegas and get a lot of dates for a hundred grand. No, she. It was like a whole thing. Like they would pay all this money, and she'd be like, "Okay, I'm gonna set you up with these five girls," and then like he would choose like one of them, obviously, but she would go through all this criteria for this person and set them up. Interesting. Do you remember Temptation Island? I never watched it, but yes, I do. Since I we're do. talking about horrible shows, right? Um, Temptation Island for no, for people that are either a little younger or never saw it, <laughs> they would take couples that were just recently engaged. They would separate the men and the women. They would put them on different sides of the island, and then for the men, they would bring in just this cadre of the most beautiful women you've ever seen. Oh my god! And for the women, they would bring in these dudes that were just chiseled abs, looked like Chippendales dancers, and they would try to tempt them to see if they really wanted to stay with their fiance. And this is when I realized that all men are pieces of. Shit, by the way, um, because there I remember I will never forget this in season one. I don't know why I watched this. I guess I was dating a girl and we were into like trashy <laughs> reality shows. So so he's his fiance is lovely, beautiful. Right. They've been together for years. And then on Temptation Island, he gets set up with this girl who was finishing her MD. She was going to be a surgeon. She was a oh. former Playboy model. And based on how they edited the show, she seemed to be like a lovely girl, right? So they end up like making out or something oh. and he was tempted. And then they interview him. He's like, yeah, you know, by the way, MD, Playboy model. He's like, yeah, you know, I'm just really looking for something a little bit more in a woman. And this experience <laughs> has made me realize that my fiance and this gal, they're just not really what I'm, they're not wow. what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a little bit more oh, in, in a woman. Yeah, and MD's not enough. Yeah, and, and I, was, I was just like, oh man, you're making all men look so fucking horrible right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm embarrassed to have a penis right now because of the words that are coming out of your mouth, which I think is the whole purpose of reality show is to make for men sure. and women look horrible. God, I know. Like, did you, I'm sure you watched Real World back in the day. Oh yeah, I was addicted to Real World when I was in high school. I missed that, actually. That was a good one. That was now, the first, rea the reality, like the shows first now, reality show. That was. The ones nowadays are, like, horrible. Okay, what's your guilty pleasure? What do you and your husband cuddle up and watch, like, that you're just, oh, this is garbage. I can't believe I just wasted an hour of my life. Honestly, like, he won't really watch garbage with me, but um, I'll watch, like, Real Housewives. I, as much oh. as I hate them, I will watch it. Oh, like, my goodness. we watch shows like, um, God, what's the one with Kevin Costner? Uh, uh, Yellowstone. Yellowstone. I've heard great we things love about it. that. You need to watch it. It's really good. Um, Ozark. Ozarks. Ozarks. Amazing yeah. show. We watch that kind of stuff. Like we won't. I don't really watch garbage lately. Like it's weird. I've just kind of. Yeah. Away from that. I get all my garbage on YouTube. I watch like I watch like jujitsu fights from. You know what I watch? 2007. That doesn't matter. Yeah. I just scroll through TikToks and they just make me laugh. Like I just like stupid shit people do. I'm like, I just I watch that and I laugh and it cracks me up.
TikTok does show how creative Americans are. Yeah. Because there's yeah. some really funny shit there on there. There are some funny ass ones. I'm super embarrassed to admit this because my TikTok probably has a bunch of raunchy jokes and all kinds <laughs> of inappropriate stuff. So no, none of my, my, none of my kids, including my 19-year-old, know that I have TikTok until now because he's old <laughs> enough to listen to this. But my wife's TikTok is very clean. It's like it's like kids stuff and it's funny stuff and it's, rest, you know, the gluten-free recipe. So once in a while, my daughter will cuddle up to my wife in bed, you know, if they wake up early and they'll be like scrolling through TikTok. And part of me is like, all right, this is all cute and innocent, innocent. But I'm also like, honey, like probably shouldn't be exposing our three year old to TikTok. Right, like I don't right. want her to I don't want her to be the daughter on OnlyFans. Like like <laughs> exactly. the joke is no longer keep him off the pole. The joke is now like keep your daughter off of right? OnlyFans. <laughs> not that's not what I want for her. No. No. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't really watch any trashy TV lately. It's weird. All right. All right. What about your kids? What do they do? Um, they really like Ro Roblox is this stupid game on the iPad that a lot of kids their age are into and you have to just keep buying this these like coins or something so every other day they're like mom can i have ten dollars i'm like Ugh. so it's some game where they have to be in like a room and they can see their friends in a room it's it's weird but that's what they like they like they're into that they just love that. and how much have you spent on this game a lot of money i want to say at least 10 bucks a week <laughs> on each kid yeah they're gonna they're gonna yeah. get you for a lot more money mm -hmm. somehow one of their friends talked them into learning how to create a second thumbprint so that they can buy shit. So one day we get this charge of like $300 and we're like, what the hell is this? So they created a second thumbprint to buy like a billion coins or something. And so my daughter finally admitted it, but we we got some of the money back, but yeah, that was a whole thing. So we had to, we had to really lock up the iPads. So be careful at that age because they'll try to do that. And this is your five, six, eight. your eight-year-old? So her nine-year-old friend taught her how to create a second thumbprint to buy her own stuff. Amazing. You're getting mm -hmm. hacked by your mm -hmm. nine-year-old. Mm -hmm. This is amazing. For sure. Yeah. This is a great story. Oh, they know how to like do things on the phone that I don't even know how to do. Like my daughter creates the most amazing TikToks. Like she has her own kid account where like it's just you can do like the parent parental controls were like right. 15 and under or whatever it is. But um. And she knows how to like edit. And I'm like, where the hell did you learn this? Like you're only eight years old. Like she does really good ones. It's it's kind of scary. That's amazing. How they know how to do all these things. All right. Um, I'm gonna have to follow your TikTok then. Cause that'd be weird if I was following your daughter's TikTok. <laughs> she doesn't have one. Okay, she, good. she does them on, on mine. Perfect, perfect. Yeah. Parental controls. <laughs> yeah, I was talking to one of my buddies who has a I think he's either preteen or teenager, and they they got their first phones or whatnot. And I think he probably told them that um, you know, he can see anything they do, but it's like the iPhone's on complete parental lockdown. He has a mirror, a mirror image on yep. his iPad. And so he sits there at night smoking a cigar, just scrolling through his son's text messages and stuff. Cause yeah, he must be 13 or 14 now. Mm -hmm. And he's got like a lockdown where he can only be on certain apps for like 10 minutes a day, yeah. half hour a day, whatever. So he's got like half hour a day on text and like half hour a day on social media or something. So he, you know, it suddenly goes in there, text real fast and then jumps out of the app. Cause he knows he only has half an hour, yeah. but he's like, it's so funny. He's like, cause like, you know, as men, we have all these text message groups. We're exchanging <laughs> dirty jokes and memes and stuff. He's like, my son has the same shit. He's like, it's it's not the same jokes. It's not right. the same level of vulgarity. He's like, but you know, we have like the dozen, dirty dozen text <laughs> message thread, and they have like the nasty nine uh, text oh, message thread. God. And he's like, dude, he's like, this is so scary. He's That's like, crazy. but I'm glad I have parental control so he can see like what's going on and keep an eye on him, which is which is very good. And, and luckily, he has a great kid that's not getting himself in trouble, but. I'm terrified of like a couple years into the future when my son's like, dad, can I have a cell phone? Yeah, no, we don't have the phone thing yet. We're, we, they have iPads because they need them for school and when we take road trips and whatnot, but all of 
my daughter's friends have phones. But honestly, like I didn't have a phone till I was 19 and I survived. I didn't even have a TV in my room. So I'm like, you're not getting a phone. Now, I, I don't know what age will decide to do that, but I just, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do that. Wait, all of her eight-year-old friends have phones? Like, yes. Yes. The, the ones that are turning nine, they just all got them for their birthdays. And my daughter's turning nine in August. I'm like, you're not getting a phone. Sorry. Yeah, I'm terrified of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's scary to see a nine-year-old like, you know, talking on her phone. I'm like, no. I just think of all the stuff I would have Googled as I was like a preteen boy. <laughs> and I'm like, you, you, it's not good what you can find on the internet. <laughs> right? So yeah, no. I'm, I'm. I'm scared for my 19-year-old. I'm like, oh, I don't know if you should be looking at that. I'm like, right? oh, he could get drafted tomorrow. Well, I guess we don't have a draft anymore, but you right? get my point. So, yeah. like, for, for my younger kids, I'm like, oh, God, I'm freaked out. Um, yeah, no, it's crazy what they can accidentally click on. Hmm. All right. On that note, yeah. <laughs> what what else is going in life of uh, going on in life of Vanessa? Have you? Uh, I know you used to play tennis in, in high school. Mm -hmm. I know you're real big into fitness for a while. Like, um, what's what's going on post COVID? You and I were both talking about how we have gleefully gained some yeah, weight because yeah. we just sit home and eat I bonbons felt, and drink. Well, yeah, I just became like a really good bartender during COVID. I was like, let's try <laughs> this drink. Let's try, and like, I just had this love for old fashions all of a sudden I which I did I'm not I'm not good at making my own of those I have to buy those they're but, so good so I finally found like this pre-mix one but anyway um so yeah so we just started like making like really cool meals every day so like we were because we were home we're, like we'd make a cool breakfast we'd make a cool dinner and like somewhat you know make lunch maybe like a sandwich or something but we were just eating a lot and drinking a lot and I was telling your wife earlier like um orange theory which is what I do uh, closed and so um, one of the coaches from there was doing like outdoor workouts at the park, but it just wasn't the same. Right. So, um, yeah, I gained some weight, but now it's most of it's off. We'll, we'll, we'll keep going, but yeah, you I and mean, me both. right. So I don't really play tennis anymore. I, I need to, um, I play golf with him sometimes, but, um, that I do like, and yeah. Are your kids into sports? My son plays baseball and my daughter is on the tumbling team which is kind of like cheer but not really she's more of a like she does like flips and stuff like that so. is your husband like the crazy husband that yells at the t-bell coach and yells um, at the, he's the um, coach for the baseball team okay so he yeah. definitely yells at the umpire then right well there is no umpire they, oh. they're kind of like the umpires i guess you could say I'm, so. I'm scared because I, I think I would have that propensity to be the father that's like, what are you doing? I'm oh, like, I'm like, like a, the psycho mom cheering. You on, are? Oh, my gosh. Okay. I, I actually got too excited the other day. Like, you know, like those little like stadium seats that you like clip onto the thing. Yeah. I was like this because like I think he was going to get somebody out and I like fell back into the stands in the back. Like, Amazing. Because it was just I got a little excited. So I, he's only six. Imagine. And actually, I think he's pretty good. I'm like, I can't. Imagine when he's a little bit older and it's actually getting even more competitive. I'm going to be even more psycho. Yeah, totally. For sure. Awesome. Yeah. Um, were, were your parents psychos about sports or did you just oh, kind of love gosh. tennis? My mom actually almost got into a fist bite at one of my softball games when I was growing up. Because I played softball probably till I was like 12. And I was on a somewhat competitive team. I wasn't that great at softball. I was more scared of like batting just because the balls were coming fast. That didn't sound great, but yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, I, it, you know, that was kind of a scary sport for me. And then I transitioned into tennis. Yeah. Know, way either get hit by a tennis ball. Yeah. Than a softball. Yeah. It didn't hurt. Doesn't hurt so. nearly as bad. Yeah. Oh man. What do, what do you hope for your kids? Like coming out of COVID, obviously the masks off, that's a given. Yeah. But, um, 
you know, you just mentioned the silver lining of it kind of being a beautiful thing. Got to stay home all year with your husband and cook meals and, you know, reconnect. I know I got, I got way more quality time with my kids in the last nine months than I did in Gabriel's first four years, if I'm being honest with myself. Right. Um, so that was kind of the silver lining. Like, what are you hopeful for, you know, with the kids, with your family, with our society coming out of, of COVID? Or what do you think the silver lining is going to be? Um, I think we kind of made it a point to like spend more time together. And like we did actually travel quite a bit during COVID. And I kind of I hope that we keep doing that. That's one thing. Like we we did a lot of hikes. We went on a lot of just random little trips here and there. And honestly, it was a lot of fun. And we did it because we just didn't want to be home. Right. You know, so I hope that we still do that. I mean, we have some plans this summer. And so I think I think that we'll try and make that a point for sure. Nice, nice. And then what are you looking forward in business? You know, more growth, more of the same. You want to grow a team? You want to become a, a, you know, a divisional manager of all no, mortgage in California? No, no. no. <laughs> I mean, I always say I want to grow a team, but honestly, I it's hard because you never really find people that want to work as hard as you. At least I don't. I, I haven't been able to find the right fit of, of people for me, really. So, yeah, I mean, eventually, yeah, I'd love to have a team where I don't have to be on my phone all day, you know? So... That's always a hope. So we'll see. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there one day. Yeah. What's a, what's a question that I'm like forgetting to ask? What's something that keeps caught popping up with your friends, your family, your husband, stuff that you're talking about or stuff you're seeing online or something funny on TikTok? Like what's, what's interesting that I forgot to ask about? Hmm. God, great question. I don't know. Getting good at questions. Yeah. I know you're a fashionista. Like what's going on in the fashion world? <laughs> Didn't you go to fit them? Mm-hmm. I did after Cal Poly. Yeah. People don't know what Fitum is to, to Fashion explain. Institute of Design and Merchandising. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I used to be way more, I, I hate to say like a label whore. That's, that's, I was very into like, oh, this label, this, you know, this and that. And now it's like, I'm like, no, I'm not into that anymore. Yeah. Once uh, you have I'm kids, more like, it's buy like, buy me a Patagonia. Like, you know, that's cool to me instead of like Louboutins or whatever, you know? So it's just, it's not as important to me anymore. I think once I don't want to spend the money. Like I, I don't. Yeah. Once people have kids and you have to pay for them, you're like, yeah. Can I just get some like Lululemon joggers and a t-shirt? Right. right? Uh, like, do I really want these shoes or do I want to pay the kids tuition? Like, which one? <laughs> yeah, tuition is kind of important. Yeah. And yeah. then, um, just kind of last question, man. Um, I, I know there's something I forgot to ask you. There's got to be something I forgot to ask you on the way over here. Like, I hope he doesn't ask me this, or I hope he does ask me this. Uh, not, not that I like, I mean, I know you had questions in regards to me being first generation. Do you have any questions in regards to that? Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you kind of answered it, right? You're like, no, there's, 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 there's no glass ceilings. There's no detriments. Like it right. doesn't matter if I'm Hispanic. doesn't matter if I'm a woman. I just go out there and work my fucking ass off and it'll take care of itself. So mm -hmm. that conversation just kind of ended itself real quick. Cause you have, you have no excuses, which I love. Yeah, no, I don't. I, I don't have the woe is me at all. I've never had that. Okay. Here's an interesting one. Mm -hmm. What's going to happen with Gavin Newsom's recall? Um, well, I, I was listening on the radio. I think it was on the way here on the way home from uh, earlier. Somebody's like spending all this money to have him not get recalled. What was that? Do you hear that? Yeah, I haven't heard it. As far as I know, the recall efforts are going forward. But it's interesting in California because I, I didn't know this because I, I think I knew this maybe when Schwarzenegger won and we recalled Gray Davis. Um, but it's like the recall election that we're going to have to go vote in. The first question is, do you want to recall Gavin Newsom, yes or no? And then if you say yes, then you can vote on like, all right, well, here's the 100 people you can vote for Major for Williams, governor. Major Williams, 100%. What's that? Major Williams. Who's Major Williams? He's one of the guys that's on the, the ticket. 
Oh, really? Yeah. He's a black guy. He's um, he's really, uh, I like him. I mean, we I have a Major Williams hat. He has Major Williams t-shirts. He seems like a good Christian, strong guy that I think would do good for California. But a lot of people don't really like him because he had some like rumors about him and his marriage and whatnot. So, but not like Gavin Newsom's a saint either. Um, yeah, he's only got but, caught cheating on his wife like nine times. Right. So, so I don't know. He, I just like his his morals and his beliefs and stuff. And if you watch his videos, you you'll you'll learn more. But I, that's who I would vote for for sure. Yeah, I, I bet you all the money's coming in to get people to vote no on the on the recall. Yeah. And I got to tell you, if Californians vote no on the recall and retain. Gavin Newsom as our governor, that might be the straw that breaks the camel's back where I'm taking my nephew <laughs> and my mother-in-law and we're just moving to somewhere, Texas right. or Nevada yeah. or something where taxes are lower because yeah. it's it's getting pretty egregious. Yeah. And I'm all, I'm all happy to pay my fair share if I feel like we're getting something for it, but the homeless problem is out of control. Yeah. You know, um, the ongoing joke with my uh, with my wife's side of the family is like, yeah, it's really weird. There's all these guys that live right next to the freeway that are giving each other COVID shots all day long. And I'm like, no, <laughs> yeah. that, that's heroin. They're just exactly. shooting up on it's the side COVID of the street. Um, yeah, not COVID shots. So uh, I don't. I think that started as a real question, and then obviously it quickly became a joke <laughs> on on that side of the family. So um, yeah, we'll see what happens with Gray Davis, and maybe what we'll do is we'll have you back on in uh, in a few months after the election, and and see if maybe you know Trump swoops in, becomes our governor. Don't think that's going to happen. No, or if somebody decides to run again, and uh, we'll just we'll get your political update. Exactly. All right. Thanks for being on, All Vanessa. Right. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye.